Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. This is season two. We're continuing our investigation into uh, the lives of our lives and the lives of our guests based on films and other things that uh, defined them as, as young people and finding out whether they hold up. That's a long, unelegant way to say that, but that's what season two is about. Um, I'm Alex Falcon. I'm in Portland. I have uh, my co-host, Anthony Lopez, is back. Welcome it's... back, Anthony. Hey, sorry I was gone for so long. I know. Uh, you, you and your cats and your wife moved into a lovely new apartment. Yeah, and then we had to legally set up the internet. And it took a while. <laughs> you didn't You didn't just uh, hack into the grid or something? You had to do it no. all legally? No, so we had this, like, I want to tell a quick story. We had yeah. this Comcast guy come over. And uh, a, a co- uh, like a, a, cable, a coax outlet was old antenna line and didn't work. Oh, really? An old made... coax outlet? Yeah, exactly. And he made this whole stink about like, why well, can't put a new hole or a line into your thing without like written permission from your landlord? Mm-hmm. And this guy was just terrible. And then I couldn't get that from my landlord because they didn't want us to put a new hole in the wall. Sure. So I had a second Comcast guy come over who was very young. Oh, you got a more morally flexible Comcast agent. Okay, so I had this Comcast guy come in, and I swear to God, all he did was joke about day drinking, just constantly. (laughs) And then when we go, I went, uh, we got to figure out how to get, you know, we don't have permission from the landlord to put a hole in the wall. And he goes, well, you know what you do then? And I go, what? He goes, you just drill the fucking hole. And I was like, nice, man. I love this. If he had said no, you just keep calling different... Uh, agent yeah, until you finally just, get the one who's like drill a fucking hole man but yeah I just it was a simple thing and then he cut a hole in the wall with a box knife that was pretty sweet uh, like he didn't even get go get his drill because he didn't want to walk back down the stairs this guy was awesome he was just he, and then he fucking he I feel going, bad saying the name of the company I feel like we should have like bleeped that so that you weren't burning this guy because oh, yeah. they might be able to triangulate who's oh, on your route oh. Oh yeah, they'll find they'll finally get the one sketchy cable guy out of the company. <laughs> You're right. They'll, they'll clean it up. Uh, <laughs> but I like man, what a hero! This is the getting shit done guy that you need, whatever yeah. your problem is. Yeah, and then he likes, I swear to God, he just started like monologuing about like cool like uh, like boards you could buy that allow you to like set up Wi-Fi jammers and like the. <laughs> back all your neighbor's passwords and he's like you can do a lot of good with these and then he would like drop his voice and go oh a lot of bad (laughs) okay so i don't want to i don't want to startle you anthony but he did not work for comcast (laughs) this is not a real employee you just set up a network to hack yourself oh yeah Yeah. Uh, i trust what this guy's doing like i Whatever racket he's running, I want to be a part of it, you know? Well, I also, uh, it's going to be uh, frustrating that we'll have to lose you for a few episodes again in a couple weeks when you have to move again because your landlord's found out about your illegal hole. <laughs> going to get you evicted this right after you moved in. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm so glad you had a story about it. I was going to, I have this idea I want to talk a little bit more. When you're, when you're gone, I don't talk enough about why you're, like, what people are up to. Um, so I was glad maybe talk a little more personally up top. It is a little weird for our third guest who did not know if you could come in probably during this conversation, but you can't let me give you a name so you can start talking. Uh, he is at a poker player on Twitter. He's the author of several books about poker, including reading poker tells and, uh, the host of the podcast, people who read people, 
about applying uh, poker-like reading skills in other situations, please welcome to the make a debut on the program, Zach Elwood. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. This is uh, such a fun crossover. So I know you in real life, and uh, I was on your show about reading poker, uh, reading people. Yeah, um, Alex was on the first the first uh, maiden voyage of yeah, my podcast. Talking about uh, comedians reading people from stage mostly. And uh, so then this up this came up where uh, Anthony and I were talking about watching Rounders for our Does It Hold Up s- series, and uh, I immediately thought of you. I thought it would be fascinating to hear an insight into maybe the more pokery side of this mm-hmm. instead of the movie side of it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you, you play some poker too, right, Alex? You have some I definitely some have some. Um, yeah. I quit early. Uh, I, I played poker online a lot when it was easy. Mm-hmm. And then as mm-hmm. soon as it got less easy, I was like, well, this is just a video game that I suck <laughs> at. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm, I'd made a, a, I would say, my parents listen to the show sometimes, so I will say I made a modest amount of money playing online in high school. I made a lot of money playing poker online mm-hmm. in high school. And uh, like, like during lunch breaks in the computer lab at my school, I would uh, put in a couple hours on the table and then go back to classes. <laughs> it was really not a great system. I- can and you we? were in Reno, right? I was that in was, Reno, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is you where gam- this gambling in the air, yeah. Yeah. It's worth talking about that for a second of just mm-hmm. like one of the like the internet is still a wild west, but there's a few things we've lost and mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. legal gambling on the internet was yeah. so pervasive for yeah, a certain time. It was time. easy. And when I started it, it, it was pay- you could PayPal money to casinos and uh, so everyone did it, and it was that's why the game was easy because it was just like anybody could just sign up. And then when they when they cracked down, they didn't crack down on the websites because that was too hard. So they just cracked down on banks. So the government was like, PayPal, don't do this. And so PayPal stopped accepting gambling transactions. And then like you had to be kind of a hacker to get your money in. And then all the people who were just having a good time losing money. They didn't want to go through that, but all the hustlers yeah. did. And so the game yeah. got way harder. Mm. Yeah. And speaking of uh, you recognizing when you were, um, you know, started, the games got harder and you walked away and like a lot of people did not adjust like that. Like I know, I personally know people that lost everything they had and became uh. kind of degenerate gamblers because they just kept playing online when it was clear the games were getting harder and harder, you know? Yeah. There was other, uh, there were other, adjust. there was a confluence of factors around that time. I was also going to college and there were other, um, there were other things that were available and there is, there is an interesting part about playing poker online where like i love poker and i played a lot of it and then it does also is kind of like a video game and when you have people who want to hang out and you're like no no no, i'm gonna go put in my video game hours it's a little weird so it's it's a solitary i mean that's one of the things i didn't like about it i played for three years three and a half years full-time professional and like it's such a it's such an isolating um you know draining uh pastime you know you just feel so isolated and yeah. kind of depressed honestly oh. at least i did yeah absolutely you imagine I think... if like bitcoin had come around like 10 years earlier and had been around for like the online poker boom well anthony <laughs> like... tr- one thing that uh, i'm sure zach probably knows more about this than i do i just know it from t- television but there is a huge crossover in the current professional mm-hmm. poker community and bitcoin world so like last year at the world series of poker attendance was down and one of the theories was because bitcoin was down 
and then a lot of people <laughs> yeah. had lost a bunch of money yeah. and didn't. Oh yeah, invest. a lot of people did. Yeah, there's a big crossover because I think poker players like that. They're always on the lookout for these kind of like fringe uh, ways of making money. You know, yeah. that are like digital and you Scam know, off the beaten trail. Man, maybe a little yeah, Scam yeah, adjacent. A little yeah, shady. Not, not really a Venn diagram there, Roddy. It's a more of a circle. <laughs> Just a circle. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's a big overlap. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I would love to see the uh, the meet the poker player who's like, you know what? I'm all about banks. I like centralized. <laughs> I like keeping my money yeah. in one secure place. I believe I like... in fully paying all my taxes. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I believe I I document everything. <laughs> hey, you know uh, uh, Mill right now, we can write this off at the end of the year. We're talking about work. Yeah, Keith, a little tip for you. I mean, this is definitely... That's Joey Kanish. One thing about this... Uh, yeah, that is, oh, that is Kanish. Um, that's one thing about this movie that, that got to me at the right time and set some influences, and one of them was like hiding cash in books. Like that, like I was like, oh, that's part of this life that appeals to I, me a lot. I did that based on that movie. Yeah, a I, lot of people did. I think I, 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 I currently have five hundred dollars in a hollow dictionary on my bookshelf. I definitely still do this for no reason. No one is yeah, it's robbing just cool. me. <laughs> it's it's just cool. I I gotta I can open up a book and there's money in there. I love it. I have I also have <laughs> two other. I have a hollow shaving cream can with nothing in it. I just like having it. Uh, now, now I know where all your valuables I are. I have so. no valuables. And the only reason there's a bunch of cash in that book is because I've been meaning to go to the bank and put it in a real bank. But I just... No, I, it's a it's a decoy uh, empty canister. Like, someone will open that and be like, oh, he just likes the novelty of it. And then not check anything else. Well, for know? a little while, I thought I actually had, like, the key to the hollow dictionary, which actually has a lock on it. I had that key in the shaving cream, so you had to go on, like, a scavenger <laughs> hunt. <laughs> But I like I've yeah, been, it, since I was in high school, I wanted to have something to hide, and I've never had it. So I just buy things or make things to hide stuff in, and then they're they just sit empty on the bookshelves. Hey, Alex, oh, this is a quick side note. Yes. The the key the book that is hollow has a key to it. Yeah. So I have two hollow books. One I made by just which I did a bunch of these in high school as a fun project. So I just take but I go buy books at like the thrift store. And then yeah, use a, a Dremel yeah. and hollow it out and then kind of like glue the sides and just have... Oh, that's really cool. It was fun. It was super fun. And I would make them custom to whatever. So I had like one that just had an iPod, uh, the mini. I had it... I carved a book to just exactly iPod mini size and charger size so that I had a book that had my iPod, which is like... Super dumb. Uh, just looking at an iPod Mini. This is some evergreen tech right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, and that book has nothing in it now because nothing else fits it. But like, yeah. so I would make a few of those, and then I also bought one from a store that was like, it looks like a dictionary. I mean, it doesn't. It looks clearly like a fake dictionary. It's like dictionary brand dictionary. But then um, it is a metal safe with a lock on it inside that it would be uh, so easy to bend open. It's the flimsiest yeah, little thing. So I was gonna say, like, is is anyone gonna get to the place when they're stealing your hollowed out book, and then that lock is gonna be the thing that stops them? No, and it doesn't even like, have <laughs> fake pages on the side. It's just like it's clearly cheap metal pages. Like it would be, it's the most obvious of the thing. And yeah, you would, it would be like, well, I guess I don't know how to open this lock. I'll just take it home, and then you just take the book, and you'd break it open whenever you right. felt like it. I think that I also have some something some valuable stuff in books, and I think the big takeaway from this is if you're robbing a place, uh, make sure you go through all the books, shake them, and see if there's anything weird about them because yeah. there might be some good stuff. The in books there. is where yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, I I know people hide things in freezers sometimes. 
we have too small. Yeah. We don't have enough room for our frozen food, so I don't have any current frozen money. But yeah, bag like of money in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always. I mean, we talk about things I learned from other movies. You know, inside of a toilet bowl is always where I'm going to check <laughs> if I'm robbing a place. You know, yeah. is, th- is that is yeah. that a drug dealer thing? Is the toilet bowl? It's what they do in Goodfellas, right? Oh, At the end of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have a bunch of money hidden. I think they do that the... like public places, isn't that how they do it in public yeah. restaurants? Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. There was the Godfather also yeah. hit a gun in a toilet yeah. bowl. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, oh, but in so in Rounders when he he gets those that money out of uh, one of the books he gets one of the the, the money out of is Mike Caro's book on tells, yeah. which was pretty cool. Pro poker to tells. see some of the books he was reading, you know. Yeah, I think that was more what that scene was about. Was about like uh-huh. here are the five biggest influences. It's got the Mike Caro right. book. Super it's got System. Super System. Yeah, mm-hmm. which were like this was the like because this is when I cared. Those were the era of books and and tapes that I consumed. Whereas all the stuff that's been written since then, I don't know much about. But like, mm-hmm. I those def- are the classics. I definitely read a bunch of the classics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so this did this actually? I, I guess I don't know. You were of an ambiguous age, Zach. You could tell me that you were twenty-five, and I would believe you. Let's see. Or, I was forty-five. I'm forty-one Is, now. So are. I, if I, I think I watched it around like two thousand. It, it was a f- couple years after it came out, and then I was in college, so I was around you know twenty. Yeah, and and it, but this also affected you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it affected a lot of people. I mean, I think this. I think rounders and like online poker. And Moneymaker winning the World Series of Poker. All, all those things are pointed at as, uh, you know, things that influenced the poker boom, made people, you know, a bunch of people want to play. I mean, I really think Rounders was a big part of it because so many, you talk to so many um, poker players that are, you know, my age or around my age. And, um, they, yeah, they were influenced by, by Rounders and, and watched it and were like, oh, man, that looks so awesome. I can, I can outplay people. I want to be like... Mike McDermott, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though his life's not great for most of the movie. What's up? Even though his life isn't great for most of the movie, like. Yeah, but uh, he's not an awesome role model. Yeah, I think that you know it's kind of like I mean, a lot of people you you hear a lot of people in the poker community sometimes talk about like we need to get rid of this shady image of poker, you know, like. Get, get rid of these scammers and not talk about the scammers as much. But, but I mean, really, that's I think a lot of it is that kind of stuff is what draws a lot of people to poker. For it's just sure. this kind of romantic, uh, dangerous thing, you know? It's that, That's uh, such an that's, interesting in debate, I, uh, I would think, is to figure out whether... Like, because sometimes the thing that gets gets people excited about it at first is not what's going to make you a mainstream sport in the long run. But definitely that was part of... I mean, I wanted to be shady. That was my main goal <laughs> when I was a kid. Right. That was like right. my... Not everyone in Reno was like that, but that was the part of Reno that appealed to me as a child. Uh, I, um, I took like uh, I took card cheat lessons from a guy I met in Carl's Jr. for a year. Like I was super into being shady as a kid. Uh huh. Yeah, I, 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 ta- I yeah I taught myself some like cheating technique kind of stuff too. You know, it was yeah. And I think uh, you know you watch Rounders and a lot of movies are like you're you're rooting for the guy who's. Uh, the, the underdog and is willing to do things a different way. You, you don't you don't want him to go to law school and be a boring law, lawyer or office worker. You want him to figure out things on his own terms and be his own guy, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and there's something to, like, the idea that he doesn't want... He wants to play it straight up, you know. But yeah. he understands that there's, like, a routine and a dance and an artwork to what Worm does. So, like, 
he almost just wants to watch him do it because he thinks it's impressive, you know? Like, he mm-hmm. enjoys that part of it. Yeah. My, my, yeah. My, my favorite part, the funny part from that scene where he cheats with Worm and the, the college kids thing is when he's like, I could have beat the game just as quickly straight up. I'm like, really? <laughs> you, 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 you could have beat them just as quickly without getting dealt all those cards? Yeah, okay. I mean, you, you probably could have won in the long run, but not as quickly. Not as quick. They could have left the as quickly uh, yeah, part yeah. Out, yeah. Um, I Yeah, I like... I actually was more, I was into, because I also kind of liked magic, which Anthony, that's a thing that we have in common, is we both were into magic in high school. Sorry to out you. Um, <laughs> but we were yeah, into, I tried to keep that a big secret. You know? sleight, well, it's funny, I'm more embarrassed about that than some other things, but like, I was really into <laughs> sleight of hand, and so like card mechanic stuff appealed to that part of my brain, and... So I'd like what the just a quick version of the story is that I found a uh, a book on gambling scams that my friend's dad owned that was like it was ostensibly how to defend yourself but it really was just like step by step here's how you <laughs> cheat at things and we were super into it and so we like learned we taught ourselves three card money and went to a Carl's Jr to try to make some money <laughs> and uh, this the first guy we tried to hustle was a professional card cheat and he took all of our money and then we <laughs> were like. Which is like the most, this is like, isn't that a peak Reno moment? It's like the most <laughs> Reno thing that I ha- has ever happened to me is he was just like, no, kids, just, I don't think you understand that I am very much better at you, better than this. <laughs> like, I'm better than you at this. I'm just so good at it. Uh, you should stop. And we were like, all right, that's fair. And then we were, but we were like 16 and we were like very confident. So we were like, hey, well, would you just give us crime lessons? And he said yes. And so for like a, a like a whole summer, every Tuesday, we would meet PJ at a Carl's Jr. in Reno, and he would teach us crimes. Wow. He would just, like, here's how you do this. We would practice our, we would practice bottom dealing. We'd come back and show him what we were working on. He'd be like, no, hold it this way. And he would tell us <laughs> stories. And the thing, but the thing about PJ was that he wasn't cool. Like, we, like, we thought he was neat, but then in the long run, what he actually was was just a piece of shit. Cause he like yeah, a criminal. Yeah, he was just a criminal, and I. But I had this like I don't know. You get like the sting, you know. Like I had this like riverboat criminal idea. There was no moral, more no moral code or uh, dignity to his, his. Yeah. His. So what he did, he like knew all this poker cheating, but his main thing was he worked for a gardening company, and he just embezzled. He was just like the accountant for a company, and just took their money, and that was like. So unelegant, and we were like, "That's not sexy." It's not sexy at all. Like cheating at cards, there was some amount where, like, every, even they might not even know if you did it well enough. They might just think they got unlucky. But it's like you're just a fucking thief, and I hate it. And uh, so we got kind of like uh, a little bit spoiled on him, and then he or soiled on him, and then he uh, went to jail for embezzling, and then we didn't see him uh-huh. again. Which is so you were kind of like the dude. Mike McDermott of crime, and he was more like the Joey Kanish of crime. He w- you wanted all oh. the, you wanted the sexiness. Yes. He was just like, hey, this is a job to me. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Down on me totally. for doing my embezzling. Yeah, yeah, he would like steal money. He was like, sometimes <laughs> it just, it just there's just people leave their money lying around in a poker, and you could just take it. And you're like, that's not at all what we are doing here, <laughs> man. Uh, <laughs> but he, somebody in poker, uh, somebody in Portland recently did that. Somebody who was kind of a well-known uh, poker player got caught on camera stealing an old woman's chips off no. the table. No. Oh, that's especially terrible that it's an old woman's yeah, chips. Yeah, pretty bad. I think he's got a drug problem or something. I won't name any names. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Man, so so that's my like history. Like this found me. Actually, I feel like I was doing this before. I was doing that stuff a little bit before I found Rounders. So Rounders was sort of like a, oh, you can actually just be good at it, and that is actually sexier. And that's the thing I like <laughs> about Mike is that he, 
like when he goes on that run, he's like, look, we could cheat and win this money, but no, this is about me showing my dominance at this game that I like, which is weird. <laughs> but really, yeah, at that point, he probably should have cheated. Yeah, yeah, because they were going to get <laughs> murdered. Yeah, that was yeah. the time. <laughs> Oh, man. He shouldn't have cheated in the college game. He should have cheated when his life was in danger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so that's where this is where it hit me. This is where it hit you, Zach. Uh, Anthony, though, I know you did some magic, and I mostly I assume you cared about this more as a movie than as a poker movie, but um, where did Rounders find you in your life, and what did it mean to you? Well, yeah, I mean, Rounders is one of those movies that is like, uh, like nobody saw this when it came out in 98, right? Yeah. And then... By 2002 or three, I feel like everyone had seen it. Actually, it Anthony, I'm so sorry. I have to stop you for one second. Caitlin. Hi. Welcome. I just realized I need headphones. Give me two shakes. Okay, get two shakes. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna add. I'm Caitlin. a monster. Um, Thank you, everyone. Caitlin was at the improv until 2 a.m. last night, and uh, so slept through. Oh, her it was alarm. so much later than that. I got home very. I yeah. My poor sweet. Uh, yes, it was all thing. Um, we're gonna catch right back up where you were, Anthony. We're gonna do this one more time. We'll start. We'll start you over on that story, but I just want to add Caitlin to the mix. Real first. quick, while she's uh, she's setting up a headphone, go through a jacket pocket, see if there's a bunch of cash in it. Let's find out what she was really doing last night. See if she's got a gangster's roll. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that was another thing. Uh, is I always want my money rolled up like that. <laughs> yeah. That was. Su- I the shadiness is really what appeals to me. I mean, there's a, a sexiness to this movie in terms of like. How much money do you start? Do they start scenes with, and then never telling how much they end scenes with, but you can just see that it's a lot more. Yeah. And just like that image of being able to like walk into a room with this much and leave with that much. Is oh, you know what else? The uh, the golf pro game where they play with cash. I yeah. have never played a poker game with bills, and I want to so bad. I've always wanted to do that. It looks so cool to just shuffle your cash up together and drop it in a stack. Ugh. Yeah, that's a lot more fun. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it's just the, right. so much sexiness. Hello. Speaking of sexiness, here's my uh, my early morning voice. Caitlin, I am so appreciative of you getting up and joining us. So I'm just going to throw you in here. So you, you guys, as you as regular listeners know, whenever there are three people on the panel, and it's when it's only a three person panel, is because somebody was scheduled uh, and was either very late or did not show up at all. And Caitlin is in that uh, earlier category. Caitlin is joining us. This is at Robot Caitlin on Twitter. You know her as a regular on the show. Please welcome back Caitlin Gill. Hi, it's me, Caitlin Gill. If you remember my last appearance, I screamed at the end of the episode because I had to get up early. And I was late for that recording, too. But uh, and this, is, this I time I got to sleep later? in late. And I was still late again. Yeah, uh, but it is late. nice to be here. And uh, if you are ever in uh, Los Angeles, go to the Hollywood Improv. They have shows till 2 a.m. I mean, so does the comedy <laughs> store in the Laugh Factory. Listen, go to comedy, but yeah. you might see me out there until way too late. Like poker. I don't even drink anymore. It was, I was just out there being a grandma. I was just having fun. Well, I'm so glad you were able to make it for uh, at least part of this discussion. And it, we were just we were talking about, actually, before we started, how appropriate it is that the one woman on the show uh, is not getting a very big part of the podcast <laughs> yeah really is this podcast is concerned i'm kind of the nagging girlfriend wishing that you would stop doing it. like yeah. come on stop it guys exactly guys well, do i really have to get up for this guys guys one of one of my favorite 
poorly written female characters. Just like how bad she is. <laughs> and how is, good it could have been. Yes. Yeah, but like like she's so selectively nagging like she's just what the plot needs like her introduction i fucking uh, fucking introduction is she's upset that he was out late networking with the judge yes and then he's like but hey i I need to borrow your code to pick up my friend worm from prison and she's like okay have fun and it's just like what Wait, that's, what? What? Wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up, back up. She's just like, I can't believe you hang out with some guy named Worm. Yeah, have fun hanging out with your felon best friend. <laughs> like, I, like, I it's, love, it, I love it's this just so much. The, yeah, the plot needs her to be a naggy, like, like naggy girlfriend there, but not literally the next second. So she's yeah. okay. It's a like, totally <laughs> unnecessary conflict. It's like when yes. they wrote her, they forgot that they already had conflict in the movie yeah. and they were like i don't know matt damon he needs something to hold him back and it's like the dude just lost all of his money well, to they, john malkovich you've done enough they what what it was is it was like uh just some producer being like so uh worm and matt damon they uh they a thing they they uh couple of homos and they were like no 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 yes. girlfriend see yes and then they also have like as the second worm gets out of prison he's like I gotta go fuck a prostitute because I got needs I'm a man and it's they both have that scene. that's the only reason both of those moments are in there because they were like no no Matt no no these two guys who hang out exclusively and drive each other and like a two sides of the same coin that fit together like a perfect puzzle yeah. no they ain't they ain't gay. They, as, they love women. As a 16 You're not going to stop me from screaming kiss at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad they didn't because Worm is bad for him. But I I mean, that's the thing that I took away as watching this as like a teenager is like the point of this movie is that Matt Damon is a genius and everyone else in his life is holding him back. Worm is stopping him from being a genius. His girlfriend is trying to stop him from being... She doesn't get him that he's a genius. Even Kanish is like, I want you to be more conservative and not a full-on genius. Like, it, <laughs> it was everything is holding know, him uh, back. Matt, Matt, Matt does some uh, pretty... Mike does some pretty dumb stuff in there too, though. I was thinking like... When when Worm comes into the cops game at the end, oh, man. Mike should have just walked out. Then you know, like, oh man, why? especially like, that this was time obvious. I was like, just go, just go. It's so easy. Yeah, you could it's just like it's right like now. he and he does so many dumb things. I'm like, oh man, he's you know when he keeps sitting with uh, KGB at the end, like he hasn't learned his lesson. Like yeah. even as, after he wins his money, I'm like, why is why are you going back? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because this movie is about addiction. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's okay. So, uh, Caitlin, just to int- subtext. introduce you, you know, Anthony, this it's- is Zach. He's a poker writer. And um, I, I think that's. Hi, inter- Zach. I didn't mean to come jumping down your. Like, right, poker's right. awesome. And also, potentially, <laughs> some people have an addictive pattern that could lead to consequences. Well, I only okay, mentioned that because it's such, <laughs> it's such a. That's such an interesting <sighs> part of this that is not really addressed that you guys are both kind of uh, dealing with, which is like, he is objectively, I think, a genius at the skill. And he talks about it being a skill game. And Joe thinks of it as an addiction because it also is for a lot of people. And like, he does. He does display non-geniusy addictive type uh, problems with it and that is a par- a subtext of this movie that is just not interesting or explored at all to the to the writers yeah because I don't think they meant to put those issues in there I think they just wanted to be like he's a genius yeah. without really uh, addressing the reality of like what is it you know it's pretty bad to take all your money and put it in one game you know? yes yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. yeah that's the part that gets me where like no you don't 
good, like professional gamblers and poker geniuses usually don't. They don't bankroll do their future on <laughs> yeah. a game. Yeah, That's not, it, like a for the thrill type thing. That's because uh, it really it's is. fun. Yeah, yeah. And even the I'm not a genius at poker, and that's exactly what I would think is a good idea. So even maybe the don't. That's so like cool, where you're like, oh man, it's awesome. You're gonna go to Vegas and put one third of your total life savings into <laughs> yeah. a crazy tournament. Like that is the worst decision you could make is putting that into the World Series uh, of Poker. Sure, take he's gonna be homeless. He's gonna be homeless sure. in a few months. Alex, I should say. Let me tell you something. Yeah. I was gonna say. I just, you know, my parents wanted me to be a rabbi, but I knew I needed to be a podcaster, <laughs> <laughs> oh and it was yeah. worth never seeing my parents again. Right? Because people just hold so you I could back. Be a You're a genius. Podcaster to tell you today that you also are special. You had Joe, you had Joe Rogan's understanding of podcasts w- w- yeah, exactly. when you were uh, <laughs> age 10. I'm putting my rent money into this new podcasting equipment. Uh, I mean, <laughs> isn't like that's a big Oh, that of- Alex, that sentence hit, but that hurt. Yeah. That was scary. That was a tiny horror movie. <laughs> but like so much of this movie feels like it was like written by like the writers met a p- old poker player at like on a flight one night and we just <laughs> fell in love with him and wrote down everything, every, like, bullshit romanticized line he said. And every bit of bullshit jargon and then put them all into every sentence. Yeah, and then just (laughs) formatted that in a screenplay. Like, that's they just, like, it is written with this, like, like, this love and adoration for the concept. A bar left the World Series of Poker on like running just over and over again yeah. until a napkin just became infused with this script. It was like in the light of the TV. There's no writer. And then this it bled in. Napkin. And someone found it and was like, oh, here it is. And the reason it's fun to watch is because of the performances. It's a fun yes. movie to look at. Yeah. I yes. mean, it, you have brilliant performers in it. Oh, yeah. Even Dumb Joe is, it, you know, everybody's pretty great. Yeah. And I, do, I mean, what you it's said, just, Anthony, about, uh, oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Um, yeah, Anthony, what you said about them uh, wanting to, you know, they, they basically had discovered this world by talking to people in New York and going in those underground games, and they really just wanted to capture that feeling in those characters. Yeah. That was what they said yeah, their goal cool. was. It was like, they, and they kind of, years later, like he recently was like, yeah, you know, the script had a lot of flaws. We were pretty young, but, you know, I, I, the way we captured, like, their style of talking and, and lifestyle was, you know, we're happy with that. I think that's weird. I Okay, I just think the the talking, that did not bother me as a kid, but now watching it, it's like, clearly you just wrote down every jargony bullshit thing you've ever read about <laughs> poker, because people, Alex, no one talks like that. It was can so... Can you imagine if someone just stat, sat and listened to comics in the back of the room at the night? I don't know. Did you hear Teddy run the light? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Did you okay. see? I don't know. What's the... Yes. How do you get that? Who but, books that? Just the list of dumb shit like, we do that say comics say to each this other. Is real, this is real Where's jargon. Where's the light? But just every word is jargon. They never say a <laughs> sentence with a... Hu- and I feel like even comics, it's like, there's going to be a sentence or two where you'll say, without any jargon in it, you'll say like, how are you doing? And they wouldn't do that. They uh, like every sentence is like how they fallen for you. Like everyone is just an. Uh, it got annoying yeah. this time, which had never bothered me before, but that really annoyed me. I mean, Definitely it is. It 
It is what happens when they do a movie about stand-up, though. Like, it's that same yeah, yeah, yeah. kind it, of... Yeah, it's the, it's, this is what they do at a movie about anything, is you're like, write down yeah. all the jargon, put it into a bunch of sentences in a row. Oh, I mean, ask a lawyer how accurate a courtroom scene yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Totally. They'll lose a fistful of hair, just trying to explain yeah, yeah. it. All right, so just to, to get us back on, I, I wanted to hear two more stories. So, Anthony... You were about to tell us before uh, we finished out, filled out the panel. You were about to tell us um, what this, mo- what the history of this movie was for you, since you were not a poker obsessed oh. like Zach and I were. How did this? Well, movie I, mean, find I you? definitely played a lot of poker post this movie. Like this yeah. movie, you know, it's it's so interesting. And like I was thinking about this, how this movie came at like this like, perfect right moment mm-hmm. in time in terms of like video and movies were just easy enough on like to like be seen and have a life on like blockbuster and like early netflix stuff and uh cable and enough people still had cable that they had espn2 and then could watch poker later mm-hmm. like th- this movie and its connection with audiences i don't think could really ever happen again like it was so much around this like one time yeah, and me being however old I was at that time, it's just like it hit me, right, uh, right center. It was just like it was a cool movie. I loved Edward Norton as a teenager. I just thought he was like the best actor. So anything he was in, I thought was great. Yeah, I, I he was that. just one of my guys. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, it just went to like. After a few months, like I said, after I felt like everyone started seeing it, they they started being like like hold them poker games yeah. that just would pop up at these 24 hour like Starbucks and places where teenagers would hang out. Yeah. And yeah. I started playing a lot there. Uh, and yeah, it's just like poker was really big for a, I don't know, a year or two. It feels like, <laughs> uh, uh that, that's probably like hurtful to people in the poker world, but it definitely, it was like but, the timing of this was incredible. Of this, and then uh, Zach cr- briefly mentioned Chris Moneymaker earlier, who, if you do not know, won in 2003 and was like the first, it was the, the biggest amateurist win that you could imagine. So he made everybody, right. uh, and like and uh, a little it, bit of a douchebag. Like, so he made everyone feel like, oh, I could win. I'm also bad but, at poker and a douchebag. Didn't that have like a really <laughs> dramatic finish, too? Like it was like the first hand of the night he like went all in or something like that it was like a i think it involved um a big hand with sam farhall i can't remember how it yeah, happened yeah, but it yeah. was kind of an exciting and sam Far- farhall was seen as the big favorite because he was pretty experienced you know yeah and then also this uh, is like right around when espn was getting more serious about showing the world series of poker they put way more into producing it so it's just yeah, like all this stuff yeah. came together and it's hard to imagine for me in a movie I, I can't think of another example of a movie that caused the same tidal weight of interest uh, this way that just was so perfect to start, like basically make a sport big. I know. There's I don't know. Like... The Big Short made a sport out of dudes explaining the stock market to me. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mansplaining the stock market. Sure. There's a lot of other. You can get hobbies out of it, but I don't know if that's type, quite a sport. You're right. Um, uh, I do know a lot of people. It did like, land at the, the perfect games, place at the perfect time. A lot of hu- Hunger Games fans learned uh, archery, but like I don't know if it's. It didn't have the same. There's only one Hunger Game fan left, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. She she won. She murdered. That's them. how passionate yeah. we were about it. It's me. <laughs> yep. I killed the, the other Hunger Games fans. Um, the other big uh, the other big influence on the poker boom was just online poker mm. itself because that was around the same time when people right. were able to play online, and so it was, I think it was all these factors. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's kind of it incredible confluence. It was money like makers. Online poker. 
And and I believe that Moneymaker also credit had seen Rounders and that got he was like a sports gambler if I remember correctly. And yeah, like, and he was an accountant push and him. a sports gambler and yeah. saw Rounders and inspired him. So yeah. it like put it got him. So it's like it pushed the dominoes, which is super interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Caitlin, I know when I emailed you about this, I wasn't sure what your response to it would be, and you were like, <laughs> you, you said you love this dumb movie. So <laughs> how did this find you? What did it mean to you? Um, I was, uh, this was 98, so I was 17, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a fun movie to look at. It moves fast, yeah. and looking at it now, uh, having watched more movies and thought about more movies, it's just visually a delightful movie, it moves quick, um, it felt to me, like I saw Reality Bites when I want to say I was 13, um, and to me that was like, this is what college will be. And then I saw mm-hmm. Rounders, and something about it grabbed me that, like, this is what being a young adult could be like. <laughs> and it was less specific to poker. It's like, look at what you get into when your parents aren't looking. Uh, <laughs> and, like, oh, having a, sh- it, like, a shitty friend like Worm, and you can still be, like, I wanted to be both guys. You know, I wanted to be, like, cool enough to have gone to prison for something cool and then come out with my toothpick and still be cool. And oh, I wanted man. to be, like, in law school. Yeah, uh, he, like, takes the cigarettes off those guys just to win and then throws them all away. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty it. fun. That Ugh. was great character development real quick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and that's – I wonder how many of those choices were where. It feels yeah. the um, – yeah, it's, it is a good movie, whether or not it is a – uh, a great film doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It's a really yeah. fun movie, it is a fun and it movie. is funny to me because Rounders to me exists outside of the poker boom. Uh, aside from a few insufferable friends, I didn't really. Um, and uh, any poker fan out there knows what I'm talking about, and Zach, I-, I think you do too. That like, there's people who are uh, so much fun and so brilliant at poker, and then there's people who just learn it so that they can laugh at you for not knowing what, like, tied the river on the two-fork means. Like, I don't know why you're mad at me. That's yeah, very obscure. For sure. Uh, but I, uh, a, a few of my friends tried on that persona for a minute, so it was just funny to watch people try to be worm. But for me, it was just right. a movie, and I realized I put it in the same camp as kind of Soderbergh's Out of Sight and a couple other films that are just, like, big, jangly delights. Uh, yeah. And I didn't quite know what I was enjoying was the filmmaking. That they're they're pretty well made, and the, and uh, the performances are super fun. Like I think John exactly. Malkovich. Uh, oh, Malkovich is so good. Like yeah. like a lifetime achievement award for the most over the top accent that actually <laughs> doesn't fuck up the movie. Like I <laughs> fucking love it. It's so I mean, perfectly it's, terrible. His accent is like he spent months doing like living with like russian immigrants mm-hmm. just, just so smearing oreo goo on the inside yeah. of his mouth and but then trying just, it again well and then just to build a list of what not to do like he <laughs> he he wanted to get the most authentic accent like he got the most authentic accent he can just so he could like be i'm gonna do the opposite i'm gonna of not that. do that at all yeah <laughs> it is the most like think of how many days he was on set and like on day six when people were like so he's is he gonna do he's that gonna again do this today? the whole movie <laughs> <laughs> you think, you think we're gonna... <laughs> and like like there there are whole scenes where you can't understand him like you almost should be subtitled it's so over the top and it's just <laughs> so a good. delight it's and just he plays poker there every night for years, and someone's just like, 
the Oreo cookies are his tail. Yeah. Oh my god, that, that guy back. over there just fucking cracked this thing wide open. We're definitely gonna like, come back to this because the crux of this movie to, is the it's worst. It's a different game. Poker I feel like I can't even pronounce it, but that is as bad as in Casino Royale. Uh, Bond's nemesis Le Chiffre's tell is that his eye cries blood. Yeah. Like that's honestly that one's pretty noticeable right, when the guy I, looking at his cards I was, cries blood. Let's just, I think. Let's just. You know, I so thought Zach... that was his tail, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So no, I, it's as dumb as you remember. Let's address this for real now, because Zach, the, the your specialty in poker is tells, is uh, real life poker tells. So, how does the tell community think of the <laughs> Oreo cookies? Uh, well, you tell? know, I mean, nobody, n- nobody thinks it's a they're real. You know, this or Casino Royale. They're they're definitely not, you know, realistic depictions of how people use tells. I mean, every once in a while, you might theoretically get something like that from somebody. But yeah, I mean, usually an eye bleeder stuff and a bunch of cookies in his face. <laughs> I love. The, I mean, yeah. I mean, the cookies. But, like, I mean, to, wait, real quick. Okay, okay let's let's put, let's say you're playing with someone and all night he just check check check. <laughs> Will that bring out your tell? <laughs> he trapped yeah, me. If he's, Always it's, hanging on, hanging the, around. The, the one part of the accent, the, his line, his voice, and the accent, just the chick, 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 chick. I mean, that's it's just chick. It's like nine syllables. That's what he does for poker. That's the biggest gift to poker is that it's fun to be John Malkovich whenever you're playing poker, or it was for a year, and now it's annoying. But like, he was like, "Do you want to have two hundred catchphrases for your poker night at home? Here is this gift." Yeah, I mean, I think you know, nobody thinks they're you know, accurate portrayals of how these things happen. But I think it's like, you know, it's like uh, th- those are the least, the you know, from a, from a poker uh, realism perspective, those are definitely the least uh, bothersome in my mind. Oh, really? Like, I, I, I have a list of things that, are, you know, from a poker knowledge perspective are just laughable. Uh, like, uh, you know, like yeah. when he brags about, uh, he brags to Joey Kanish about beating Johnny Hand in a single hand. Yeah, he bluffed him once. Yeah, and he he he, he frames it as if this was some impressive thing, and it was a limit game. That was the other thing. Right. <laughs> he he was re-raising him in a limit game, which is you know it's such a it's a, it's a much smaller game well, than no limit, and you only can raise certain amounts. Yeah, yeah, you're bragging. Like, Don't oh, you did, know did Johnny Chan again. never played another game after that? <laughs> he was being so bad. Well, yeah, just this this framing that like it, it was at all noteworthy to beat even even a, like a like a good player. Like I think the implication they set up in that movie was like. These good players are so far ahead of everyone else. They are literally winning every hand, and you know that was kind of like yeah. the the world it lived in because it, it was reinforced by him being like, "Well, I could I, I could beat that game without looking at my cards," you know that kind of stuff. Um, and, and so this idea of him bragging about, "Oh, I I won a single hand off Johnny Chan," and he's like, "You sat with the best. I know I can do it." <laughs> <laughs> that was the most laughable. Yeah, that okay. it, it's, it's right. like in a Westone being like, you know, that badass gunslinger. I shoulder checked him once and he didn't <laughs> yeah. do shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like what? It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not impressive. The, <laughs> the thing about the cookie tell for me is like, in order for that to actually be effective as a tell, I think that dude would have to consume a thousand Oreos a night. <laughs> Yeah, he needs a bigger sample size. Yeah, sure. you're like, <laughs> he, he, only during the biggest hand ever, he opens a cookie, and if he eats it, he's got the cards. You're like, well, okay, but how often does he have that big of a hand, and how many cookies does he eat? Like, this, like we're talking about 10,000 calories of Oreos a day for this Russian yeah. mobster. 
Yeah, you know, tells can be can be a big calorie uh, danger if you're not <laughs> careful. <laughs> uh, but uh, th- yeah, like, just I, a I hoagie, think, like every time you're, <laughs> you're I think, up. Uh, I think it was supposed to be implying that he was, you know, he was remembering it because f- I think in the first scene, the very first scene, when uh, KGB has the full house, yeah. he did it. He did it there. But and I think we we're supposed to Im- have implied that he, you know, when he played K- KGB over a couple times maybe that maybe it was just that once before when he played with him for a few hours i think it was supposed to imply like oh i remember him doing this on other hands too yeah yeah you know so, so but yeah still cookies. you need a you need a good size sample size to reach a conclusion for sure i do feel like well, i mean it's like in a, a con movie when someone does like an impossible pickpocket or a lift like yeah. there's a heightened he is he is kind of uh i mean at least he has superpowers, right? Like, he is a psychic or, like, just so empathetic that he can read things. Like, the the cold reading of a bunch of like old people playing yeah, poker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is impossible, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and I'll say, uh, t- speaking of how the movie affected this, when I watched that when I was young, I mean, that's probably one of those kind of uh, legendary scenes uh, uh, that kind of inspired me to, to think about the psychology and, and eventually write books on... Uh, you know, poker tells. It was like kind of idea of like, well, if he could have read these people for that, how would he have done it? You know, and what would be the factors he'd be looking for? You know, I, I was always asking myself that kind of question. It's such and, a it's such a strange scene too because he's like he does. It's on one hand, it's like a superpower, but then some of the reads are just like he does have a flush, but knows it's no good, which is like I don't know, like that's not that impressive that you said he, like you see four cards to a flush out, and you're like I think he got it, and they're like what a magic trick. I quit. Like, well, yeah, the judges the judges didn't seem uh, very uh, smart in that scene because, uh, well, for one thing, the other funny thing in that movie that that my top five dumb things yeah. was him him trying him bluffing trying to bluff out three other players on the river in seven card stud in a limit game. It's only a limit, so he's betting like on the river. He's betting like twenty dollars into however much it was. It was probably <laughs> yeah, like two hundred dollars, <laughs> and he and he tells them all what they have, and they all fold. But like, he had, one he has to have exact reads on all of them, which is pretty silly. Yeah. Two he. Somebody, somebody could just randomly call because he's only he's only betting like one tenth of the pot or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So like it's nobody bluff. No, there's not a lot of bluffing, especially into three players in limit poker. You know. Yeah. So that that scene was kind of silly. I mean, if they had made it like you know spread limit or something where the the last bet was bigger, it would have made a lot more sense. There's so many <laughs> like the the poker things are what like I thought a lot about as a kid, and now as an adult watching it, there's other things that affect me more as sillier, like how clean the jail was that Worm was in. <laughs> It was a beautiful jail. And then uh, also just his apartment in New York is insane. Man, people's apartments in movies. I know. That I is, know. if you, if uh, Zach, I admire your expertise in spotting uh, poker inaccuracies, but I can tell you who couldn't afford that apartment in yeah. any piece of media. Yeah, you know who could any not? piece yeah. of media. A gambler and a law student uh, could not. Yeah, no, they're not living there. That is it. They stole that apartment. That apartment. Someone's on vacation and they moved in. Yeah, they are squatters. It is gorgeous, and and there's a there's a scene when Petra shows up that implies that Matt Damon lived there for a long time by himself. Just on his gambling, right? That is uh, the yeah, rent on that place. Yeah, this is a sequel to the talented Mr. Ripley. He killed a guy, <laughs> yeah. and he's yeah, living there. Yeah, yeah. He's, 
mean, no. I mean, oh, the, man. I really mis- want those to be in the same universe. <laughs> oh, the, Ripley, the Mr. Ripley universe? Oh, yes. I have a whole theory about that. Yeah. So then I'm so amnesia, happy. The Ripley cinematic spy. universe, yeah. Born identity. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. He, end, he ends up on Moe's. Mr. Ripley's in the sea and then just becomes Jason Bourne. Exactly. And then he yeah. goes to Mars. The Mars okay. is kind of an impressive twist, but you got he won the seat on that Mars rocket in a high-stakes poker game. Speaking of that yeah. Famke Jansen scene, that was on my list of the, the top five most unrealistic moments, too. Just when that he he's a down poker Famke player, Jansen. but girls still like yeah. him. Right? Honestly, then, that movie, this movie affected oh. my sexuality in a number of ways. Between Matt Damon, <laughs> Edward Norton, and Femke, I don't know what's up. <laughs> Femke Jansen, this is another thing about rewatching this movie is, <clears throat> it's like, you think like she had this, and then X-Men the next year. How did she not become like a much bigger actress? Like, what happened to her? Yeah. She was so good. She's so good in like a very limited role in this. She's pretty good in the X-Men movies. I don't know, man. Just... Maybe it's a hard business. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, she's in oh. Hemlock Grove, and she's in How to Get Away with Murder. She's I... doing this right. I like it. Oh, okay. Do, do, you remember when, uh, do you remember when Mike, after Femke, uh, Femke Jansen leaves, Mike throws the gets glass. angry and throws his glass against the wall? I... And it was, I realized it was because he was so angry at himself for not sleeping with Femke Jansen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, yes. I think that is a uh, that is a really watching that again. I was like, that's just such a beautifully timed scene of him like holding it together, not seeming angry about the debt, when, the money, the money. Yeah. And then as soon as she's gone, the way he turns and throws the glass, and the sound of the glass scaring across the floor, like, which um, my wife, uh, also very practical, uh, was me like, oh, he's gonna regret that later. Uh, yes. uh, you, you know, you only have About so the... many good tumblers. You know, you can't just. Well, I mean, does he ever actually come back to that apartment? Isn't it implied that he literally leaves for Vegas like does, seven yeah, hours leave, later yeah. so yes. the, with the, the clothes on his back on and floor. fifteen grand in his pocket? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he just leaves forever. <laughs> Meanwhile, Worm is still living in that Catholic school gym. I think. <laughs> I'm a 38-year-old who lives in a studio apartment and does stand-up comedy. This guy makes bad life choices. <laughs> it's not it's not super healthy. Um I actually that's the other thing I do feel I felt so much sympathy. We talked a little bit about his relationship with uh, Gretchen Mall, but um I feel a lot of sympathy for her even though she is supposed to be portrayed as like a nag about it like from her perspective. Yeah, sure he claims to be a poker god. On the other hand, she saw him lose his entire life savings to a Russian mobster in the middle of the night. Um, and I, I'm sure he tried to explain to her that he got pretty uh, bad uh, cards that time. Just really unlucky. But like, still, she's like, I, no, no, I, I've watched, like, I had to watch you hit rock bottom and now your jail friend comes out and you're doing it again. Like, good for her on leaving, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the worst part was Mike, he took his entire bankroll and put it on the table. Like yeah. nobody, yeah. nobody does that. Like I mean, maybe like if you're taking a shot, you might do like half or something. You know, like yeah, a big game. You know, but that was it was a crazy amount of money. It's crazy. And then and, like we know damn well we were told to ignore the statues of that one court precedent. But Mike just doesn't <laughs> care. 
He's just embarrassing the entire team. Oh, man. He really was. Yeah. I was a, yeah. an avid mock trial participant in high school, uh, so I was <laughs> outraged by his you, neglect yeah. of his yeah. duties to his team. That is not cool. Do you think he did I, it on purpose? I mean, oh. he didn't try on purpose. You think he, yeah, he tanked it by citing uh, freedom of speech when that was clearly not applicable? <laughs> I mean... That is, I, I love that there's, like, a character, it's just one of those, like, little screenwriting, like, uh, if, if you pay attention a lot to, like, structure, you're like, why is that in there? And it's like, there's a character, there's the two characters and other characters in the study group solely exist in this movie to go, hey, your boyfriend, we think he's a piece of shit, and then yep. ten minutes later they go, see, he's a piece of shit, actually, and then they walk out of the frame and are never seen again. If we're like and it's just a- like... If we're doing like a no he retreat, doesn't... no surrender, where we follow minor characters, I want to see that woman who takes over in the mock trial. Yeah, because she seems like she's got her shit. Together. She's like, it, it, it helped me out. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's like not mad. She's like, you made me look like a genius. I assumed you were gonna blow it. I planned for this. Yeah, she seemed awesome. But like, they don't ever come back. They never. He never gets like a redemption moment with them. Like, they're literally there just to be like, he sucks. Yeah, <laughs> he just sucks. Um, yeah. Oh, one other related Joe related thing uh, is that that ending though, when he talks to her, <laughs> might be the meanest thing I've ever heard someone say to an ex boyfriend. <laughs> they they broke up two days ago, and she's like, "Call me if you need a lawyer." Like she slow rolls him bad. Yeah, she if you need a lawyer. makes it sound like they are going to be friends or get have a chance to get back together, and it's a joke about "Call me if you need a lawyer." Like that was yeah. harsh. She's pretty. Uh... She sucks. That that is a cold, cold moment. I don't know. You don't think that's cold? I'm not. He thinking. just ditched out on a lease. Like he's about to leave. <laughs> no, she that moved out on him. She left. He, she left. The apartment's free. She gets to go back to it if she that's wants. That's true. I mean, that's true. She leaves. Can, uh, can I also, he control. does brag about how bad he is at fucking her. <laughs> at one point in the movie he literally says don't worry you won't, you won't feel, feel anything it's not good like he like really so she's in this sex relationship when she doesn't get any pleasure from this fucking dude who's hiding money in her books showing up late for work has, hanging out with a guy named Wor- borrowing her code to pick up work yeah like, yeah this movie really is just your shitty boyfriend in the tw- in your twenties. Yeah, like yeah, it's a classy it's- version because they're in law school. But like he can't bone down. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's terrified of emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. He's way way too into his hobbies, and he's pretty sure he's the best at it. Yeah. Like this is a rough dude. This he- is a dude. This is a. It's Rounders is about poker, but it's a cautionary tale for young women about where to put their allegiance early and, in their life. Yeah, and then like yeah. you, there's no future with him in which they don't like get pulled over by a cop who's like, I recognize this motherfucker. <laughs> Right here. Like, like yeah. that's just extra tickets for you. He drove her car there. Yeah. Like, there's no way she's not going to get shit for that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Anthony, so uh, what you said about her, you know, when he was like, oh, you'll barely feel it. And, yeah. it, you know, it reads like a joke, but then she's like, the way she responds, it really seems like she thought it was serious. serious. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she's, like, she's like, you, but we both know that's not true, honey. Right. I was, it was like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, he really can't please her. Is that a, and is that a compliment? I'm glad Femka didn't have to suffer that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When she says that, she says like it's a compliment. And like, no, no, your your dick is big enough that I will notice it is inside me. Like, that's not even a high bar, man. We, 
She's, she's, a, she's trying it to does tell you how many women they expected would watch the film, which is like totally zero. <laughs> it's like you have Matt Damon on the screen. Imply that he fucks good. That's all you have to do for us. That's all we're asking of this movie is the illusion that all the dudes in it fuck good. Yes, I, even John Malkovich and John Turturro <laughs> and Martin Landau. <laughs> it also Who I bet lays it. pipe. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm on a different track. He, since he it, left it, the it, yeshiva to follow his dreams, he really knows how to put it down. That's right. It got, it got me thinking that uh, the way Joe acts towards him in this movie, it, it, ma- it makes it seem like she was planning on leaving him anyway. She was just looking for an out. Oh, for and sure. So she saw it. She was like, oh, good, great. This is the excuse I needed. She didn't get that good many for moving her, boxes you get on, what you need. on short notice. She definitely had planned that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, they really, like, they kind of glance over the scene, but, like, what was that night like when he came home and it was like, so, uh, I lost everything tonight to, I think, John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell and, with the way he talks, but yeah, maybe like, John Malkovich. She stays with him and is like, he's like, so it's working these shitty things and it's just so unhappy and miserable. There's no, he's not like... He's taken that miserableness home every Oh, night, yeah, for you know? sure. He's putting it somewhere, yeah. I, like, I guess, so one thing that did stick with me about this movie, though, is there are a handful, of, I like. I think it's very quotable, not just when you're playing poker. I do, that, that line, you won't feel a thing, is very funny to me because it's not, uh, he's not the hero of that joke. Like, I like how self-effacing that joke is. Um, mm-hmm. And but also like there's a few other lines that I've that have stuck with me. Like one thing I like to this day, if somebody asks me if I haven't seen him in a while and they say how have I been, I say the same. I think that is very <laughs> funny. The Kanish line of just like nothing in my life is ever good or will change at any point. <laughs> I, I just love the same. There's some great writing in there. There, yeah. there is really some great writing. I mean, those guys can write. Yeah, there's some fun jokes. Uh, there's some there's really good like. Man, everything Teddy says is funny. Everything, like, oh man, the way Teddy when he gets up from the table and he's like, "From the last time I stick it in you," and then he does this <laughs> pantomime sex for a while. <laughs> yeah. So funny, a awkwardly long time. Yeah, this is an incredible actor, right? This is a, a like John Malkovich is a very well respected actor, and he's just cool, and he's making a mouth noise while he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it is time to thank a meat buddy. We have a new meat buddy on the show, and I may have forgotten to do this during our primary recording, and so this is me from the future, but then it's going to go back to me in the past. Anyway, time is wibbly-wobbly on podcasts. The everyone else in the podcast has busted out from the table. It's just me and Alex playing <laughs> heads straight up heads up. Podcasting, yeah. and then we'll let them buy back in in like four <laughs> minutes. But uh, I know they're, they're doing a casino royale, fucking some guys coming over being like, I don't have a chance, but I'll let you take it. <laughs> well, all of this might happen. You're right. Good, good. And I see it's been so many days, I even forgot we were talking about rounders a second ago. Good memory. <laughs> time, time is a mess. Um, but here is what we're doing we're thanking our meat buddy. We got a new meat buddy today, just Anthony and I, and we're going to thank uh, Stephen from San Diego. Uh, who says this, I'm thrilled to finally stop stalling and become an official meat buddy. Hey, thanks, Steven. Uh, I feel like everyone else who... I've said this before, 100% forgiveness anytime. No matter how long you've been waiting, we will not be like, hey, now, did you get here at 100? Why did you wait till now to start paying us? That's not how this works. 
Oftentimes, it takes the brave, the courage of just one person, yeah, to step maybe, over that line. Maybe you know? that's what it is, Stephen. You're the you're the first into the yeah. into the well. That doesn't work, man. You are the spoke that will light the fire that will launch the resistance. You're the you're yelling fire in a crowded theater. Is that what I mean? You're starting those California fires. Is that, is that what you say? <laughs> you're smoking in the California forests uh, and just tossing cigarettes willy-nilly. Anyway, whatever you're doing, it's helping. Uh, he, Steve continues, um, I found Reed and Weep some, somewhere around episode 100 and have not missed an episode since, which is phenomenal because I've missed several of them. Like, I've been here but just kind of phoning it in, so that's very impressive. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but yours is one of the very few that I've consistently listened to over the years. In the past, I've supported you through Amazon, but recently I've tried to cut back on my Amazon purchases, so I thought it was finally to step up and uh, contribute directly to the show I love so much, which is very cool of you, Steve. Yeah. Um, everyone shouldn't use Amazon because it's evil, but since you're going to anyway, you should still continue to use Amazon.com, A-M-I-N-A-Z-O-N, not I, is it two I's? I don't even know our own thing. Yeah, it's A-Z-O-N, so that's all right. Anyway, Amazon.com, if you're going to support that anyway, you might as well have us get a piece, because we're not going to use it for evil. Um, anyway, let's get on to it. So for uh, Stephen's thank you segment, as you as you guys know, we get to talk. Uh, well, we like to mostly dispense advice or, uh, or send messages to you in some way, um, pep talks, that kind of thing. Um, so Stephen says, so good friends of mine are getting married in a few weeks, and they asked me to officiate their wedding. Aww. This is a big thrill for me, but it's also kind of intimidating. I'm not a performer, but I figured since so many of you are performers, you might have some advice on how to relax, engage with an audience. Thanks for everything, Steve. P.S. Alex, if you ever end up going to a monster truck show, be sure to bring earplugs. Those are loud. Which, <laughs> I am so sorry to say this, by the way, Anthony. Last weekend was monster trucks again. I'm, I oh. keep missing it. Uh, yeah, I, that's my problem is I don't keep my ear to the ground enough about monster truck. <laughs> and you'd think you wouldn't have to be that close to the ground because they're yeah. very loud trucks. Yeah, you think I just won Google alert and walk away, but I just... <laughs> Somehow, I think this is the fourth year in a row where I've been like, this year for sure I'm going to monster trucks for the podcast. And then yeah. I find out after it happened that it was monster truck weekend. Yeah, and then we well, one time we just watched monster trucks. <laughs> And that wasn't fun. It was so <laughs> much not, worse. It's not good. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, so let's see. So let's see if we have some advice for Steve well, about I, official I, weddings. I want to say something about the not being a performer thing. Look, so I've I've officiated a wedding, uh, two weddings, and I had a a good friend officiate my wedding, mm -hmm. uh, and me, I was cool as a cucumber both times. But my friend, who's also a very talented performer, was shaky, jazz. Like, it really is it, not... It messed him up, and he is yeah. a great... He's so good on stage, he's great yeah. on every performance I've seen him on, and he was uh, terrified. Yeah, and I'm not saying that to scare you, I'm saying that to, like, you don't have a leg up on anybody in doing this, you know? Yeah. To me, both weddings I've done were very small, intimate things. Uh, so it wasn't like the full meal deal what like Sean did at my wedding uh, type of thing. Um, but the main thing I have to say that yeah, it's the e most important thing to remember is that it's not like any other type of performing in which people would be like, I bet there's a chance this guy does not going to know what he's doing and this isn't going to go well. Right. Like, everyone is there rooting for this 
to go beautifully, and they want. It's the most charitable audience yes. you will ever come across. That's a know? great point, yeah. And even calling them an audience makes it sound more performance-like than, than it yes. is. This is a very charitable group of people who is not there for you. And so, yes. all, like, your main job as a performer is to uh, not take the spotlight, uh, to not make it about yourself, which I think should help calm you down. The thing Anthony just said about how Sean was shaking them, maybe intimidating. Um, but yeah, to disintimidate you, they are not here for you. This show is not about you. Um, there is no, there is no wedding officiant that like crushes it so hard that they they are the person everyone's talking about later. Like they're here to see your friends kiss. And uh, hopefully not for the first time. And that is the main thing. So just uh, remember that this is not about you. That's number one for me. Number two is I've only officiated one wedding and um, it didn't take. So <laughs> less than a year it lasted. So just to be clear, I should not be giving advice on this. Anthony, how long are, your, are both of yours still going? Still happily married. Wow. Uh, one of them just uh, is my, my buddies. Uh, both both former roommates. Uh, and then my former roommate married me. So that's weird. I've never really thought about that. Oh, interesting. Uh, so now you, you, I guess you guys, you have to pay it forward somehow. So one of your, your wife has to do it for someone else or your cats. I don't know. I was thinking, yeah, one might got to marry your cats. Um, but, no, both of the couples are still going strong. Uh, they have kids. Wow. Uh, it's going well. Um, so, you know, I think, like, that's not really something you should focus on too much because what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Because it hurts when, they, when you know? they break up. You feel like maybe it was uh, your fault. But realistically, in all seriousness, yes. he is actually the most important part. You have to sign the legal documents. <laughs> it turns out here's the thing that surprised me the most about getting married is the whole wedding is irrelevant. It's like the act the thing that you spend all this work and time on, like as someone who's officiated a wedding and been on the other side of it, I was always I was really surprised both times being like, wait a minute, so this whole thing is literally like the only thing that actually matters is they both said I do and then all three of you sign a piece of paper later. You have to sign that piece of paper and yes. you have to get that in within a week or the marriage is not valid. <laughs> that is the most important <laughs> shit I can say. Okay? Uh, yeah, that's uh, a good lesson. Another lesson from my wedding is that um, a lot of the stuff is rented, so make sure people don't take oh, it yeah. home. But that's not on you as an officiant. No, but that's it, it, well, in our wedding, no. the officiant did have to mention that the uh, jars were rented, and so actually, no, that was during the speeches. You're right. You're right. That was the the speeches yeah. should mention that stuff is rented, and you shouldn't take it home. Yeah, no, the you're not like, hey, uh, as we're getting settled here, it's got a few announcements. <laughs> Tip your wait staff. <laughs> yeah. We got some Before great we... marriages coming up in the next few <laughs> weeks. Make sure you check yeah. our calendar online. Hey, if I want to have no video or recording, oh wait, what's that? That's okay. Oh, okay. Well, as much of that as possible. Here's another thing that I thought was surprising: is you are in charge as the wedding officiant of getting your own Elvis costume. They don't provide that. That's true. When you get your uh, whatever your certification you had to be to give the wedding, you have to find that on your own. Yeah, I uh, I personally, you know, I've married both my. Uh, my couples as a World War One soldier, uh, so this is sort of my. Do you, you know? Did, I assume both of yours Joey were here in Oregon, friend. right, Anthony? Uh, yes, they were both here in Oregon. Because one of the one, cool things about Oregon is that you anybody can officiate a wedding, and you do not actually have to get um, certified in any way. Like 
you're technically supposed to, but it's illegal for them to ask for any cl- any certification. So you can just say you printed it out online. It takes two seconds. Um, depending on your state, that might be a good thing to know is if you're illegally qualified, if you have to like become a priest or a boat captain or whatever it takes. Uh, make sure you did all your paperwork. Actually, here's a serious note. Um, I was joking about the Elvis costume, but... Uh, in my experience, most officiants do end up writing more of the wedding ceremony than they thought. So make sure you're in communication with the um, uh, the wedding family uh, ahead of time about who's doing some writing. Because you might have to do some writing on your own. And if you do, Google it. There's a lot of people who've come up with better stuff already. And they'll give you good suggestions of what to say. Yeah, I mean, that is a that was a huge resource that I used was me and uh, the groom, the groom and bride that I was marrying last. Uh, we just Google searched a bunch of speeches. They yep. found their favorites, gave them to me. I rewrote them using like the basic structure. And uh, Wait, it was so you fun. took like you took like Martin Luther King's speech about love and then just rewrote it as if you had come up with it. Uh, well, they were mostly speeches from other people's wedding. They were oh, like oh, kind of oh, different, okay. Okay. like famous speeches in history. No, no, no. I was just like, uh, just yeah. Excuse me, everyone, sit down. I'm gonna just sort of do a few bows from Macbeth real fast. <laughs> no, no, no. You were like, this is my original speech. Uh, my name is Anthony, and I feel like. Well, let me just let me tell you about a dream I had. I <laughs> recently had a dream. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I don't know if this has been helpful or not. Well, okay, actually, what is here's let me try to end with one actual quick little bit of real advice, which is when you get nervous for a performance of some kind, what have you found is effective at helping you become less nervous? Um, I I, I really think like for me, it's always been the uh, I it, it could be going way worse. That is something I try to keep in mind and sort of like. <laughs> enjoying like being present in the moment like yes once you really stop like thinking about like what could go wrong or anything and you realize this is like a beautiful moment that i'm sharing between these people and i have the most intimate unique seat in the house for it yeah Uh, and trying to be very present in it yes you know try to really enjoy it soak it in because if you're present for something you really can't be nervous or scared you're just there you know exist at that moment if you're paying attention to them then you're not thinking about how you could fuck it up i I love that advice so much because especially in photos when i see photos where the and and like there are photos of me from when I officiated a wedding that I was making a real dumb face. Um, so what I love when I see photos is like where the officiant is listening uh, to what the uh, people are saying, or is just looking out and appreciating. And like you seeming like you care is really really helpful both for you physically and also it looks cool in photos. So just pay attention to what's happening and look around at people. And if you stumble over words, just correct it. Like I've never been to a wedding where nothing went wrong. Like. You know, I've never been to one where some like the bride falls in a swimming pool, even though I really want to. Um, but that happens on YouTube videos all the time. So like, if yeah. you just stumble over something or forget a part, and you're like, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Here is the real thing. Just fix it, and no one will care because they'll be so busy thinking about uh, this couple's going to have sex later. I was going to say, go to the opposite extreme end of that and watch. Uh, there's like a, a whole. Uh, YouTube subcategory of horrible officiants, and they're usually <laughs> like the. Here's what I don't think they're going to be. I don't know your life, Steve, Stephen, right? Um, but most of the time, they're like the, a family member who's 
very religious, ask mm. their very religious like bishop to come in and officiate the wedding. Yeah. And he's just like judgy and an asshole and yeah. says like fucked up shit. It's a it's a genre I've gone down a many rabbit that holes. That does with. sound it's, fun and also awful. Well, it's it's so cringy and upsetting. And you know me, I got a problem with people pity religion, misusing religion, and this is a great yeah, example yeah. of like um you know, not the time and the place to make it about your judgment and shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, so watch really, like, how again, how bad could it actually be? You're not going to go up there and call the bride a whore or something like that, which I've um, seen, yeah. like, priests do, you know? You've like, seen that? All right, that I want to yeah. watch. The, oh, man. I mean, like, there is... There is like you're not gonna do something like that crazy, so it's gonna be fine, you know. I love it. This is great advice. Um, and if you do something crazy, make sure you get in on that YouTube sharing. You know, get those <laughs> get clicks. Yeah. I do. I, yeah, like I guess my last advice is um, I have I've definitely seen videos of the officiant having gotten a little bit too drunk beforehand, and uh, so my advice on that is just practice the way you play. So if you're going to be drunk during the speech, when you run through it on your own, make sure you're drunk. But if you were sober when you're practicing it, you should probably go up there sober. Yeah. And you know what? Get paid. That's another thing people don't talk about enough <laughs> with officiating weddings. That's is true. That, uh, I've come out on top both times of the weddings I've officiated. So, you know, get that cheddar. The you know, day's I, not just about you. It's about that. It's yeah, about this them. is the one time of year where your friends are not price sensitive. So just yeah. take advantage. All right. Well, I, this has been a, a whole lot of help. I hope this uh, – not help. It's been a whole lot of segment. Probably not much help at all um, per Send minute. an invoice a week later and charge them for your uh, donation to this podcast as a uh, preparedness. <laughs> oh, research material. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if you want to become a Meat Buddy and get this kind of um, – fun but not super helpful segment directed to you you can go to readdiscreet.com slash meet buddies and uh, we really appreciate everybody who's taking the time to donate to the show we gotta uh, get to wrapping so before we leave this is the big question for the month does it hold up Anthony I want to start with you does the 1998 film Rounders hold up for you I think so. You know, I, I think that it is, like, it's certainly, as an older person, it's easier to see the sort of, like, romanticized elements and see that more for what it really is. Mm -hmm. But I feel like definitely this, I mean, Zach is someone who sort of lives in that world, and I know as the three of us, as comics and as performers, uh, I love sort of uh, Americana vagabond coney-esque uh, forms like it's, it's i truly do it's yeah, like me too. i i think what the like the american artist like like if you look at like the what is america contributed the world and like actual art it's like a lot of good music and then it's like stand-up grifters and wrestling and like <laughs> like those are the four artworks four america artworks. has yep. contributed yep. to this world yep. that are like so american yeah. and like i'm sure you're living out like, the blues and some other things but no those are pretty solid yeah. well that's what i mean by like a lot of great that's why i said a lot of great music oh, so yeah, yeah. music's like the big one there's yeah. so many great really wide broad swath you can say like film was like technically invented here but perfected other places uh but, like, in terms of, like, homegrown, this is what America has contributed to the stage. Wrestling. Mostly grifters, wrestling, and stand-up are <laughs> the sort of main three. 
And this movie, like, just sort of thematically fits into that. And I just love stories that work in that zone. I love con man movies. I love movies about, like, lone artist who is a really talented individual uh, who has to, like, rise above it. Like, that is what the American James Dean kind of aesthetic is. Uh, So I love that. Just anything that works in that zone, I love, no matter what the subject matter is. I'm down. And like the cast... Uh, it's a great movie. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's like America is a highway where we're all expected to go a typical speed, but there is this fat like a like a fast track lane mm-hmm. where like if you decide you want to get in it, go for it. Except like you're driving two thousand miles an hour and most people crash. It's like if you want to just be a, lo- a lawyer, go to law school, I guess, and you'll make enough money over time and you'll do pretty good. Or you can take your $30,000 into the fast lane of America and just scream right by and hopefully not crash into the wall. That's such a good point. And it reminds me, too, there's there's this other thing that the movie's not addressing, which is that if he had finished law school, he probably would have just had $130,000 in debt and a hard job market. Because he was not going to the top law school in the country, so law well, schools are also we kind didn't of a scam. know how doomed our generation was. Yeah, yet. Exactly. In '98, we still thought the college was worth investing in. Yes, and we still thought the economy would grow and therefore sustain the increases in cost to education that we placed yeah. on our student. I was also a student government nerd. <laughs> yeah, at exactly. The time. Exactly. All right. Well, Caitlin, uh, how about you go next. Did the, this hold the, up? You know what the saddest part about this movie is? Um, what? Because he's going to Vegas in '98, he'll probably be burnt out by the time the poker boom of '03 begins. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be broke. He'll be yeah, he'll be broke. <laughs> this from the poker the... expert. That is reassuring. Yes. It is good to know my instincts on that were right. Because uh, I well, thought craps is a retirement plan, but I don't think it he, is. He, he puts his money, he, he's way too willing to put all his money on the table at any given time. That's not a good, he, he, didn't, he didn't learn that from the beginning of the movie, and I don't think he's going to learn it in Vegas. Yeah, if he didn't get it from Kanish. Zach, <laughs> I feel like this is something the movie about this experience would have a hard time getting right. But Zach, if you know... Other, I assume you know craps well enough uh, also to find it amusing that the first time I played craps, I played with a lot of beginner's luck and no idea I could take my money off the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that so you just leave it there? were not yes, afraid to Yes, I kept you. laying down bets and I let it ride. It's not like I was losing oh, you just kept the point, you just kept but I just kept it, ride, it yeah. there. So I didn't uh, know that like, even as a, it, it out, right, yeah. yes. So I would have these strings of great luck and I would knew it was going to end, but I didn't know I could pick up all my money. It was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I am incredibly lucky to break even and when i looked at it now it's like you dink you could have made a grand that night what were you oh, doing was gonna be like i, I was up for 50 grand damn it i wish i knew yeah. i could have taken it off <laughs> no clue no clue <laughs> uh so caitlin how does rounders hold up for you on this rewatch you know it's fun for new reasons because i watch movies in different ways of course totally. i do i'm older and uh i've stuck my toe into the other original american uh pastime of stand-up comedy and dumb art uh so it is fun to watch um, I didn't even see the performances when I was 17. Of course, right. I knew that these were good actors, but like the characters were fully real. I was in that story. I was like one of them, but not the coolest one. I was just like at the bar, but nobody remembered my name. Like I put myself right into the story. Uh, and now when I'm watching it, it's just actors having a great time. Yeah. I bet that set was pretty fun. Oh, I bet it was. You know, I bet uh, like Malkovich, that scene when he's like fucking the air, he's trying to break the other actors. <laughs> yes, like, yes. That's a cute party, and the cinematography's good. It's a well-made movie. Yeah. I don't need to ask anything more of that. It doesn't have to change my mind or be t- or my life or be totally perfectly accurate to the poker world because it isn't. I'm sure that it isn't. Uh, right. But it is a fun watch. 
Um, and I like a movie with a light touch that just knows it's a good time. It's a bucket of popcorn. And yeah. it's still a bucket of popcorn. I like that. I feel like if we if, if you're aiming at now as a B movie about an interesting subculture with really good acting, that that, that much of it holds up for sure. Um, Definitely. I I feel like because I had different expectations, uh, I how it held up for me is very different because it's meant more to me, I think, than that. And that part of it does not hold up very well. Um I mean, I like Anthony. I love con movies. I mean, I like I said, I want this is all I wanted to be when I grew up was some sort of a high class criminal con something. I like the shady underworld. I wanted You're more of a Thomas Crown affair type guy. I, I mean, Thomas Crown affair is incredible. I mean, what I actually like one of my takeaways from this is like if I really had one choice right now to show somebody about, I would probably show them the Cincinnati Kid or the Hustler or huh. a, a something else where. It's got some of the similar themes, but actually feels like a, a better constructed story. And like, I mean, the Cincinnati Kid is incredible. Um, incredible performances, a great little different subculture, a very different subculture. But it's not like he is the best that's ever lived, and things don't go well. And that's what I one of the things that's really interesting about it is yeah, the, it's like the opposite. Yeah, uh, opposite the you know kind of the moral there was yeah sometimes even the best lose yeah 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 like the, the yeah. like the the one of the big lines at the end of it is like i did the, wrong, the right thing at the wrong time and i guess sometimes that's what it's about and like mm-hmm. oh man yeah there's still a lot of luck in this game is a really interesting lesson and that's a much more uh, real, that's a much more valuable lesson than uh, the rounders, you know, poker lesson of like yeah, I'm like, the it, best and I'll never lose. Everything a hand. Will come back, yeah, gamble it all at the same time. Uh, poker, it's a game about fate, right? That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, kind of to keep track of how much it? God likes you. I feel like this is a, a bigger question about poker, but I'll try to make it small, like. That Rounders doesn't get right, but also I didn't care because I didn't know enough about poker to care. That, like, I mean, also, I'm a craps gal. If you play craps long enough, you know exactly what you're going to win or lose because dice don't change. There's only, there's a limited number of options. Yes, the amount you're going to win is nothing. Well, you're going to, yes. Yes, in theory, you're going to win. Not like it's a, that's a different, there's no good movies about craps, so we can't get into that. Uh, How How much craps are you playing? Oh, it's hard in California, but pretty much any time I'm out of state and there's a casino, I will try to get in and play craps. Uh, It's just fun. It's just dumb fun, and I don't have to know. Poker involves too much strategy, and I don't want the heartbreak of, like, doing it wrong. Uh, But poker to me seems like, the question, I suppose, was that over your lifetime, if you're going to play that long, you have to, like, even the very best are only planning to win a small percentage above breaking even. Like... Don't you sort of live, isn't your income kind of in that tiny window of like where you're just a little bit better than the odds uh, over time? Am I wrong? Are there poker players that just always win? It seems like. Well, not always win, but it, it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, 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 even the best players have a lot of variance. But the, if you look at a graph of their winnings, it would be, you know, continually sloping upward with just like some swings down here and there. But it, it's a pretty good win rate. Like you can have quite good win, win rates at. Uh, these games, well, you know, if you're playing, uh, leaving leaving aside tournaments. One thing that I no, well, I, I'm pulling for Mike, well. but when I was 17 and I watched Mike walk into the distance, I was like, that guy's never gonna lose. He's yeah. gonna go to Vegas yeah. and he's gonna win. It's gonna be incredible. And now Grandma me is just like, oh, that kid. Well, he doesn't know what he's in for. So one like, thing that I think is the really movie makes you root for him, but I'm not so sure you should be rooting for for him on this. Yeah, he, on this he doesn't one. seem to understand uh, the the, the lo- like the loss concept, <laughs> like how easy it is. 
is to lose, and that's right. Just and one of the, the main things the I think that written. this movie almost addresses, but then he takes the wrong side of, is that a big part of your winning over a long term as a poker player is picking games that are easy. It's picking good opponents, the right or the right opponents. So like, there's a famous uh, uh, line from a book about hustling that I read that was like. If like the second best tennis player in the world is a terrible gambler, if they always play against the best player, and mm-hmm. the second worst player, in, the second worst tennis player could be a great gambler if they could always convince the worst player to play for money. So mm-hmm. it's just selecting the right games can get you a huge amount of of, of variance. So like what a lot of great, very high end play, poker players as they play, they find high stakes games against rich dummies that like to play with famous people. And so they like, they sit to say, they, like the, like what he's talking about Johnny Chan, like these rich people sit to say they played with the best in the world and they just give mm-hmm. the money away to him. So if you pick those games, you do well. Yeah, and that's why he's always saying, like, you, can, you know yeah. you can beat the high, uh, the high low at that goulash joint, which might be racist, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but like, they're, uh, like he's saying, like, go play the games where you are way better than everybody. You'll do better than if you play the games where you might be a tiny, tiny bit better than John Malkovich. And don't put isn't your he, whole bankroll up there. Yeah. Isn't he kind of chasing that dragon from the beating uh, Johnny Chen yeah. thing? I, want, like, I wondered it, that. I like wonder if it was like the next day. Yeah, yeah that's what he makes it yeah. seem like. I mean, because isn't it, isn't it like he's, you know, he, he's a man, let's be honest, who maybe has a death wish. Like, I was thinking, like, look. It's true. It does feel like he also wants to leave his girlfriend and is looking for a way out. And getting shot by a gangster would be acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, like, Alex, I love you, buddy. We've been through a lot together. And, like, I'll help you get 15 grand if your life depends on it. But if I have to, like, pit my life on that as well, I'm going to be like, I don't know. And he's so quickly, like, to be like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it, too. And he's like, whoa, what the fuck? No one even asked you to do that. You just... He just offered. He's like, you're going to kill Worm to kill me, too. I'm like, shit, bro. Like, and he doesn't leave the cops game either when Worm yeah, sits down. Yeah. That was kind of a death wish moment, too. Yeah, sure. he's he, he just, he, there's like um there's like a subtext that the movie doesn't even try to get at at all. But it does seem like he either wants to die or just wants to have that high. That's all he really cares about. So, you know? yeah, so that's yeah. so the He should have found Molly's game and just swept up all the celebrities. And then mm-hmm. Matt Damon and Jessica Chastain could have made a very sexy movie together. Well, that would have been sexy. Well, so here's here's my main takeaway for this. For what it holds up for me, I guess, is that uh, if I watch it as a fun B movie about a subculture, I agree it is a good time still, and it's still popcorn. Um, and that, but the part of my life that was where I I liked it too much gives it way too high standards to hold up to it now. And so it's like, actually now it's mostly a cautionary tale about things I did stupidly at 16 and thought were cool. And it's among other movies where I thought this was cool and I did not notice the not cool parts. Uh, like I was, I really liked movies where like, I would just ignore the third act where things went bad for people too. Like I love <laughs> Boiler Room because of the cool salesman and not the part where it's like, oh, you're ruining lives and it's bad. <laughs> like I just liked the the wrong things as a as a shitty teenager. So this mostly makes me feel bad for having liked it as much as I did. Um, and so maybe in ten years or twenty years I'll be able to come back and then watch it as popcorn. So for me, I'm going to say mostly did not hold up. Um, Zach, your yeah. last uh, did this hold up? Did rounds yeah. hold up for you? Yeah, I think it uh, it, it does hold up. I think I mean it's like I think it's like any movie like we said. Uh, so many movies have problems show, doing things accurately. So from like a poker knowledge, poker critical perspective, it doesn't hold up in that way. But like that's that's minor to me. I think 
the main thing is it's a, you know, I think the script is good. I think the writing is good and interesting. I think the characters are good. I think the performances are good. I think all that stuff's great. And, um, you know, and if you're not too harsh on the, you know, like, oh, is that poker scene realistic? I, uh, I mean, because honestly, like, if you look at a bunch of other poker-themed movies, the poker in that, those other movies are even worse than this. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, there's a Faustian deal you have to make in life, which, which is if you are genuinely interested in the real-life mechanics of any in, any subject, yes, you have to accept that it in movies is going you're going to lose that enjoyment yes like it's yeah, the same thing like exa- if you oh, get really so into well stand-up said. comedy and you see stand-up comedy and if you if you get really into rock climbing unless you're mm-hmm. watching uh free solo it's very frustrating totally. to see the way it's illustrated i mean that's that's just kind of a bogan we all have to make what you want to get into something you want to have a legitimate interest prepared to have that Thing taste a little bit less sweet in movies. That when is you see so it. brilliant, Anthony. I love that. I want to subscribe. It's true. To you got to you got to suspend your disbelief and and not expect too much. They're movies. I'd you know, certainly take Rounders Poker over like you know like a Maverick where they're playing five Maverick card was drawn just silly. Ro- royal flushes all the time. Oh come on, let's not rain on Maverick. I'm not saying y'all. it's a, uh, not a fun movie. I'm just saying the poker in that movie is like bananas. Actually, Re- rewatching uh, rewatching this movie gave me a funny idea for like a comedy uh, sketch thing where it's this uh, con artist uh, technical consultant for poker. He goes around from movie to movie giving really he's never actually played poker. Oh. He, goes around, <laughs> he goes around giving the worst advice about how realism of poker to all these different movies and that he, he's the reason all these movies have like unrealistic scenes. That's funny. <laughs> Man, the world lost Ricky J too soon. What oh, a hot scam. God. That would have been awesome. Oh, Ricky J. Yes, I, when we're talking about con movies, every Everything with Ricky Jay in it. Um, oh, actually, that reminds I wonder me. if Ricky Jay consulted on this. I, I feel like Ricky Jay's, uh, you know, uh, far reach, far reaching tendrils in Hollywood go much farther than any of us and know. Ricky but if there's Jay. something about a con, yeah. he, he's in. He's in. Did you see? Did you see House of Games? Yes, House of Games. No. Um, David Mamet's House of Games. It's David Mamet's oh, first movie. movie. Great movie. And it's the first movie directed, I think, Anthony. Right. I believe so. I want to yes. say, and it's like uh, the the main actress is not uh, does not do a great performance, but is was married to him at the time, um, so you feel like that maybe helped her get cast. But like um, the the cons in that movie and Ricky Jay in that movie are so good. It's so mm-hmm. fun and ridiculous, and it's that that poker movie. scene is yeah. is perfect because it's trying to do something a little differently than your. Than I mean, normal if Ricky Jay ha- had worked on this movie, he's usually pretty good about getting a cameo in it, yeah. and there's no yes. way he would not have been you're right, that you're right. He would have been, like, dead in, in the bathroom City. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, Zach, you know how long the rules of poker have been around, and people who know poker have known them forever, but I will say, for Rounder's credit, since it did sort of help start... I guess the poker boom was coming, and then Rounder's just shoved it over a line... Uh, like, not as many people knew the rules when they yeah. took the shortcuts they did when they made the movie. And I wonder if it had come out in, like, 2002 or four, if the poker, if there would have been more pressure to be, like, super accurate right. about That's fair. every oh, yeah, poker right. issue. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there was, yeah, and I think there's only so much you can do, honestly, because, I mean, you know, it's like, even if a uh, filmmaker really wants to put a lot of detail and realism and it's like a lot of times the realism is just not conducive to excitement it's like of course it's like if you had a you know the whole you you basically have to contrive situations where a lot of stuff comes down to one little hand or a few hands and that's not usually yeah. that's hardly ever the case in real life so but yeah does, your, your point feels, is right about 
they probably the have parallel, less, less criticisms sorry. they were facing. True. The parallel between stand-up and poker here, like, if this was a stand-up movie, it would be like, you know, Mike totally ate shit and bombed and, like, lost a booking somewhere. And then the very next set crushed somewhere else and got, like, the best opportunity of his life. Oh, And oh, then the end of this movie is, like, like, him walking away from one development deal to another development right. deal. Like, it doesn't... Right. Wait, track, right. exactly. it's almost like Sleepwalk with me, where he's bombing every day, and then one day he's like, maybe I should write about my real life, and then he crushes every other show after that. <laughs> or Crushing, where Pete Holmes sleeps with women. Listen, yeah. it's all different. Yeah. Everything's different. All right, my last yeah. two, two quick thoughts uh, I need to I, interject before I we go. I do want to say okay. um, uh, one more thing about uh, something that I was really surprised in watching this movie is, in my memory, uh, just talking about the sort of realism of poker, was like, in my memory of this movie, I remember this movie being exclusively Hold'em. You're right. Uh, and there's I was a really lot of surprised weird by games. how there's many varieties of poker. Uh, there's some are five in this card movie. stud. There's some interesting games popping up. That's such a good point. And that's like I think really helps with the inconsistencies is that it's not one consistent game that you see throughout the movie. Like well, it's not like and it's actually I think see, that's really interesting. It's a, that's part of the time capsules that this movie helped push Hold'em, and the poker boom is so mm -hmm. Hold'em-focused. But before that, there was a, a, a more even split where there were people playing. There was a lot of seven-card stud in the 90s, and there is almost no seven-card stud anymore. <laughs> Man. Yeah, seven stud was the first game I played in the casino, and now you can't even yeah, find, find that, that game. Yeah, uh, that's, oh, that's a super interesting part of it. Um, two more quick things. One is, just as a, a side note to people who have listened to the show a long time, is that I do not play poker much anymore, but I still have... I always have poker chips on my desk as a fidget. So oh, it, yeah. for people who have been listening to this podcast for a while, the annoying clicking sound you always hear on my microphone is me shuffling <laughs> poker chips on my desk. I've been doing that for, for the, the entire time you've been listening. And then other really quick note is I want to say that uh, the other thing about this movie that is, I should have thought was a red flag as a kid that I did not um, is that as we were talking about, not a lot of women in the movie. They don't have very good roles. And that is a problem with the poker community. Very bro-y. Super bro-heavy. And uh, mm -hmm. that uh, was one of the things that makes it less fun, is that it's just a lot of bros who do not know how to yeah, talk to Yeah, it's people. full of dudes who can't fuck their girlfriends and wish they weren't in law school. Exactly. It's not a happy crowd. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I mean, that, that really, Tomka Jenskin being able to sit at a table and not get, like, just... Oh here, let me let me show you how it's done. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. All night, or just like yeah. people being shitty and gross and staring at it is probably the least realistic thing in this movie. Right. You so know, in, in in Mike's defense, lose. I will say from experience, losing all your money does affect your libido. <laughs> oh yeah, it'll do that. I bet it'll do that. I bet it will. All also, right. I'm a stand-up comic. I can't look at any other scene and be like, look at the dudes in this scene. Mm. Look at it. It's not. You can't do that. Um, you can't and, do that. Can you, I'm a loud, brassy lady. There are a few places that embrace me. Comedy clubs and casinos are among them. These are important places for me. <laughs> well, could you and can you go home and be? Uh, can you still feel uh, sexy after a bad set? Because I agree. That Honestly, was, that I, that's hard. a good question. Yeah, that's not exactly a turn on. That's. Yeah. I don't. I don't come home from dying with a big, huge boner. That isn't how it goes. If, if I bombed and it was just like when I walked off stage, I just fucking had John Malkovich with that voice making fun of me. I'd be so bummed out when I got home. I just like I stick it in you. 
<laughs> oh, your jokes were not so funny. Oh, I just, uh, oh Nike, fuck. joke, joke, joke. <laughs> joke, joke. You try to stick the jokes in them, but the jokes fall out. They don't go in. Your jokes are soft. Bad judgment. <laughs> You all set up, set up, set up. No Premise, premise, premise. We're punchline, no pair. Maybe in the sequel, KGB opens a, a comedy yeah, club. Uh, he, he, oh, God. He, that is not KBGBs or whatever. Just oh, That's a perfect ending, you guys. Yeah. I'm going to stop us there. All right, that is it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another uh, thrilling episode, uh, which I will announce soon. We're not announcing the upcoming topics as quickly because of life. But anyway, we'll be back. It'll be great. Um, Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for joining us at Robot Caitlin on Twitter for being here for the show. Thanks for giving me a fun movie, and thanks for being so kind and accommodating my ridiculous lifestyle. As always, we appreciate you uh, with your ridiculous lifestyle still waking up before noon to talk to us. God, um, what a dunce. And Just stay up till four in the morning, you 40-year-old. What could go wrong? <laughs> and uh, Zach Elwood, at a, at a poker player on Twitter, and definitely check out Reading Poker Tells or uh, the podcast People Who Read People. I think that's probably the easiest move since you're already listening to a podcast. You've proven your adeptitude. So go over and I've got a uh, I've got a thread on Twitter that I just put up watching rounders last night that people might like to see like it it was a kind of a fun and it included some uh, snippets from the script while I was reading the script oh, through cool. too. Cool, and I so. assume that because your your community is very poker heavy, that I bet a lot of people had some interesting uh, contributions as well. Yeah, there was a lot of good responses. So if people wanted to see kind of a, a fun thread of like the things I found most silly or cool in the movie. Oh, perfect. All right, nice. add up at a poker player, and we'll re- we'll retweet that thread from. Uh, Read and weep so you can you can uh, get it easily. Cool. And Anthony, congratulations on the new apartment. Thanks for thanks for talking to me. Excited to be back. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Zach, can I ask you one one last question? Real fast. Yeah. Okay. Realistically, you're sitting down at a table. You just met a guy. His name is Worm. Right. <laughs> we red flag. But let's say you're sitting at a poker table, and he goes, "Hey, you want to see something cute? I got one tattoo." Get it? It's like there's an ace up my sleeve. Is that the worst guy at a poker table, or is that joke gonna, like, land? Because I I was thinking about that. Like, that's so corny and lame. Like, that's not, like, clever, right? Did he have... He had the ace on his sleeve, right? Did he? Yeah, yeah, the the, ace up the He got in prison. It was a... So that was, like, a smashed into his arm with a ballpoint I mean, I've seen a lot of bad poker tattoos. I've seen some some pretty laughable ones and I mean they're all pretty laughable but um that yeah that would make you not trust him I mean that's yeah the thing <laughs> <laughs> that is he might as well just write cheat with a sharpie yeah, on his arm that and, he's a cheater yeah. that's the tattoo which is a weird introduction he he either cheats or he really likes cheaters. He, he, <laughs> he idolizes them. This is not poker expertise based, but when somebody tells me that their nickname is Worm, like they've self-applied a nickname <laughs> in the opening conversation and it's Worm, the tattoo doesn't make it worse, Anthony. They've already... No. None more worse. <laughs> like they're already. No, worm. look. Here's the thing. There's only one person left alive who knows me as Womb, but I'm gonna keep it consistent. <laughs> I only have one. Yeah, exactly. I only have one childhood friend. Yeah, yeah. One but time I... when I was a kid, I fell over and a worm crawled on me, and now I make every adult call me that. Ugh. Oh, I hate that guy. All right. Anyway, we'll be back talking more about uh, movies next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Uh...